entrepreneur. A movement designed for the purpose of achieving total wellness, spiritual and physical. Here's your host, Tommy. Welcome to Wellness Revolution. I'm your host, Tommy Lockwood, wellness entrepreneur and the author of Fasting with the Masters, a guide for self-healing. Welcome to another episode of Wellness Revolution where we bridge together the spiritual and the physical aspects that compose our well-being. And today, it's all about the native song. It's our connection to our ancestors our connection to the traditions that have been going on longer than we can even imagine. And today we're very lucky to still have some of the most amazing traditions, especially when it comes to the plant medicines that are available and always been available since uh, the creation of this earth and of this planet. And the reason why I am excited about this episode and the the reason why you should be too is because, well, there's so many changes, there's so many things going on, and the youth is very aware of these coming changes because we're, um, in, in a sense, catching a wave. And I, of course, I involve myself as a millennial, as a younger person, as a younger perspective into the way things have been and the way things are going and the internet and all these things that are helping us connect further in some ways um, are allowing other people to find that internet connection with mother nature or the connection of spirit that has always been present and what our ancestors have been navigating and are basically claiming us and calling us to, to recognize today. And so the guest that I have to share this wisdom of the native song is none other than Juliana Yasa. And that that's an amazing individual that is carrying out spiritual and plant medicine work in the community, Miami, Florida. And I'm really excited to bring her into this space and bring her into this conversation about wellness revolution because she is one revolutionary. And that is something that you will learn very quickly once you hear her speak and share her wisdom. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce her. Juliana Yasa is a spoke a spokesperson for the peoples of the planet Earth. And she is fighting for the rights of youth, of truth, and youth actually, uh, spiritual youth and awakening. She has been called to shake up and awaken that sacred feminine power through her singing and meditations. Her studies in religion, astrology, astrology, excuse me, yoga, Ayurvedic medicine, breathing techniques, and different types of meditations have allowed her to discover occult wisdoms within all life forms, which brings a deep feminine intuition as well as balance into any work being done. Her indigenous name, Yasa, was given to her by the elder by the leader and elder of a tribe in the Amazon Vicente. In the indigenous village of Sao Vicente on the river Humaita, deep in the Amazon, Brazil. Yasa means family and unity. It also represents the spreading of a seed, 
like the spreading of this new consciousness through these sacred practices. Her second spiritual name is Sihua Kuatikoa. <laughs> and I knew I was going to have a little bit of a, you know, of a challenge getting through that, but I'm sure Juliana will correct me if I if I made a, a little hiccup there. But the name means Eagle Serpent Woman. And this name was earned by moon dancing for four years. And this was through a sacred ceremony led by the Mexica grandmothers. Juliana Yasa has extensively studied the traditions of Hunikuin lineage, Native American traditions, and Yoruba. She facilitates ceremonies around the world working with the sacred plant medicines and prayer circles. She has been called to help the awakening of the divine feminine on this planet through different types of ceremonies and workshops. And that is an amazing work that needs to be done in this day and age. So I would love to welcome Juliana to the show. Juliana, can you hear us? Yes, I can. <laughs> Thank you so much. Welcome to Wellness Revolution. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Tommy. What a blessing it is to share on this medium of the internet and allow people to open up their consciousness and awareness of the bridge that we're creating of spiritual life and physical life. So thank you so much. It's an honor and wellness revolution for having me on the show. And the name, it was pronounced Sihua Kwautli Kwaut. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for pointing that out because, you know, um, I, I also speak another foreign language, which is Amharic. It's an Ethiopian language. And that's, you know, it, it's nothing to do with the uh, European traditions. And it can challenge the way that we're programmed, right? <laughs> you know, these words. But they carry a powerful vibration. And I'm sure it's very meaningful to, to say it. Yeah, it's in the language Nahuatl, which is traditional in Mexico. That's amazing. And and you were able to do that through um, you were you were you visited them or or they they were around where you were at the time. So um, I'm a moon dancer, so that's uh, it's a big deal. Moon dance, it's a it's a whole ceremony. So it's a four night ceremony, and um, the Mexica grandmothers actually pulled it from the Aztec tradition. And it's a ceremony that goes for four nights with the full moon. So now the moon dance is all over the world, but it originated in Mexico. So generally we go every October's full moon and dance over there. But probably now every full moon, there is a moon dance going on somewhere. And it's a big, it's a big responsibility and prayer. You make a commitment when you go your first year to at least commit to four years. And really the, the total is nine years of commitment. And it's, it's, it's prayer, it's fasting, it's dancing and it's sweat lodges. You know, it takes a lot and it's really about pushing the power of the feminine with the moon, you know, using the moon to purify ourselves and pray and bring this, bring this Shakti energy, feminine energy back and, and also cleanse the past of our female ancestors. Mm. That's amazing. Uh, and, and I, I really love my line of, of, uh, I guess, coming up with this new understanding because I was taught by 
Dr. Sebi, the world-renowned healer, and his view on nature was about the feminine and the mother. And basically, you see in nature how the the ducks follow the mom, the lions, you know, they follow the mom, the elephants follow the, their mom. And there's a sort of motherly cornerstone that it's just like, you know, speaking of elephants, it's like the big elephant in the room. But at the same time, there is there's just a kind of um disrespect about the role of uh, role of the divine feminine i think in my opinion especially because of the way women are portrayed or you know i guess they're 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 kind of shown their limitations in in society you know and i i really love how these traditions challenge that in a great way and um of course you would know all about that because you you went to brazil right and you spend some time there kind of like this this like new world old world kind of thing you want to expand on that well it's hard you know because still most of the cultures around the world even the indigenous cultures um see the man as uh the more powerful one or the one that should be the ruler and this and that so you know i'm an american woman i was born here my ancestry is cuban and brazilian but when i go somewhere you know they still a lot in a lot of places of the world especially in the amazon they still have the challenges of you know accepting a woman as the equal and you know as a young white woman going into uh uh indigenous village it was it was hard work because not only was i in a relationship with the chief you know they had certain expectations of me you know to do the things that the woman normally done which wasn't working with the medicine so when i started to grow and become very strong in the medicine that was something new for them and i wasn't of their tribe i wasn't of their people so it was a challenge because the women over there were expected to take care of the kids to clean the house to skin the animals to go um pick the corn and the yuca to carry the water and that's not what i was about you know i was raised here in america you know we we take for granted that the water comes from our sink that we can open up you know anything a refrigerator we have everything there we can buy the food we take it all for granted and there it's really the role of the woman to to take care of all the household things including water and food you know which is a lot of work especially when you're having like 3 to 6 children in a house so it was challenging for me to be in that position of you know them expecting me to do something and me wanting to do something else and me actually being very strong in the medicine you know it was a challenge because it was it would caused fear it caused fear in the men seeing you know a young woman at my age sitting behind a medicine altar because it's unheard of mm that's amazing i i really love the way you put it it's it's very well described i can i can i can imagine that challenge especially especially because you're you're right on point when it comes to understanding the way that we have our resources set up our food and our and our water and how quickly it comes like you know I've thought about that you know if well if people had to 
hunt their their chicken <laughs> and hunt their <laughs> their their cows like you know it would definitely be a different place but yes it's like a a whole different world you know um to be able to like get up and or need to get up to go get water to like prepare the food um when it's not as easy as like it is here you know you can go to your fridge and like your counter and prepare yourself all kinds of things I'm sure that it's quite different in that environment. And it's a culture shock, you know. You don't think that going to the middle of the Amazon and living with the tribe, you, you don't think that you would be shocked. But you get there, and the first time I ever went there, I was like, it, first of all, it took about like four days on a boat, two days on an airplane, 10-hour taxi ride, and then finally after like a whole week of traveling, you get to the middle of the Amazon. And it was it was extremely shocking. You know, my body was like shaking. At first, I used to be a vegetarian, you know, I didn't really last long, because there's no other options. You eat what they have, or you don't eat at all. And you know, it was shocking. And but it was a good experience, you know, but people don't people don't really take into consideration how hard it is to not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally, mentally to jump into a different reality like that. And I really give it to the indigenous brothers and sisters that are coming out of their villages, you know, because it is also a culture shock for them to leave the forest and come out and deal with people that, you know, we have our society like this. It's it's a completely different world. Mm-hmm. It's shocking on all levels. Wow, yeah, that's well put. Yeah, it, it's um it can be a shock. I mean, I've often thought about this in in regards to the way we're set up and and even, you know, this can be kind of <laughs> kind of silly to think, but um I know that a lot of people think like this and you know there's no shame but basically i was walking barefoot around my backyard and you know um one little twig got got you know basically penetrated my my skin at the bottom and i i i thought to myself you know how delicate we really we are at this point and like i you know was thinking about how our ancestors were able to do this kind of thing um, but I, I, I'm, I'm sure our body adapts to different kinds of situations. Of course, I know that if I was walking barefoot for seven years or, or more, like by the time I was, you know, by the time I'm 28, I, I, it's nothing like twigs don't really bother me, I guess. But, I <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but then again, we, um, we're coming into the way that we lived before and the way that we live now. And now that you're back in you know, I guess the, the city life, uh, what would you say is one of your most, you know, prized wisdoms that you, that you carry from that time? Well, really about the gratitude, you know, there was a lot that happened and I think I'm still processing it, but, uh, first of all, like how they, how close they were with the family, you know, like all the women would do everything together and then all the men would do everything together. And that's really beautiful. Um, also I'm just always in gratitude for the fact that I don't have to carry my water, you know, I don't have to 
like work my ass off every day, excuse my language, but just to get clean water and food, you know, and I really did a lot to try to help the village to get clean water and to help themselves, you know, with systems of food and, and planting, but uh, they just weren't ready for that. You know, they weren't ready for eating vegetables and stuff like that. You know, that's their culture. They're in the Amazon. They like to eat meat, which is fine. You know, I just, when I come into my reality, I'm just grateful for having all these options that we really do have that a lot of people don't understand that, you know, we're really blessed and lucky to have everything everything, anything that we want, you know, because when we go somewhere else and we see that we don't have options, then, then we begin to understand, you know, how blessed that we are, that we were born here, that we were born in the United States or wherever we are, that we get things imported from around the world. Like we really need to be grateful. I agree a hundred percent with that. And I am definitely grateful and i'm glad you pointed that out because it's a different reality not a lot of women would do what you did and it's really like a rite of passage i think in many ways for you and like you say you're still processing it i imagine i would be too um with that amount of of dedication and work and and the medicine portion that you mentioned being a woman and being able to work with it um, a lot of people don't know what, what medicine we're talking about. I don't know if we, if we mentioned it before, but I, I want, I want you to talk about how, how, you know, you started to tap into your, your song inside and, and kind of develop yourself as a, as a medicine woman. I think it's, it's amazing because, um, a lot of people don't know, but you know, I've been into your ceremonies, right? And I and I've been in, in the presence of your vibration as as we're working with these dimensions, right? <laughs> you would say, and um, it's just beautiful and powerful. I really admire that you're doing this work, and which is why I brought you here to to speak, and people can really tap into that because I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that want to hear this kind of thing? Well, it was, um, it was a process. I started very young because I went through a lot at a young age. And, uh, the first time that I ever drank ayahuasca medicine, I saw myself in a past life, probably like three lives that I was an indigenous person. One time I was an Inca one time. I, I, I don't know the tribe that I was a native American woman. When I was an Inca, I was a man. And then there was like one other tribe of the Amazon. And then those three lives linked up that I was a medicine person in the native American life. Um, I was a woman though. And still at the time they, they didn't allow women to work with the medicine. So I really went through a hard time. And I saw all of this the first time that I drank medicine and kind of like my path with the medicine was, it was really fast. The medicine just like took me and was like, okay, I hope you had fun. Your life is over. You have a dedication now. And that's me. And I was like, whoa. But it was like every weekend, every single weekend since I was like 18, every weekend I was drinking medicine and ceremonies and ceremonies and ceremonies. And at first I started with people that were not of my ancestry, you know, with, with people from Colombia and stuff like that, because each tribe has their own thing, you know. And then when I finally uh, linked up with Brazilians, 
I was, I'm Brazilian. So I was like, wow, you know, this is what I've been waiting for. And I really submerged myself in that culture for as long as I could, you know, like as long as we could make it work. It was three years that we were, I was deep in that culture, you know, in a relationship with the chief of, of a village, you know, and it was hard. It was a lot of hard work because we were coming from two different realities and our main focus was the medicine. And then kind of the medicine just kept pushing me and was like, you need to do this. You need to do this because it wasn't about a couple. It wasn't about, you know, a man and a woman, because this is really the time of a woman. And uh, a lot of people are, they're, they're, they're not understanding of the power that a woman has, the connection, you know, and the medicine wants, um, wants this feminine energy, this Shakti pushed really. It's like, the shakti, the the feminine energy, the feminine power pushing the medicine. It's not, it's not, you know, a masculine um, thing. It's really the duality of both, you know. But the medicine, the whole time was like pushing me. You got to do this. You got to do this. And every time I would go to the Amazon, I was like stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where I started sitting behind the altar. And then the elders told me like, hey, you know. Um, women don't really sit behind the altar, but you really, you really earned your place. And then they would even tell me like, sometimes that I would turn into an anaconda, like in the ceremony or, or my hair would have anacondas coming out. Anaconda is the, the spirit animal of the medicine, ayahuasca. So then I was like, even a little freaked out. This is before I got my name at Moondance. So I'm like, oh my God, I have serpents coming out of my head. What does it mean? You know, I was like, but you know, serpent like Kundalini, it's like, it's like pushing this, this spiritual energy to awaken the, even the mm-hmm. feminine within men, you know? So it's really just awakening, awakening, awakening. That's what it's doing. It's pushing and, and flowing because the feminine energy doesn't have like a structure and it's just moving, flowing like a serpent, like water like that and it's uncontrollable you know so it's just pushing through and really just pushing anything that's in my way and it's not me pushing anything in my way it's it's the forces that are around me and you know this feminine energy right right and and that's why they say mother ayahuasca because they say ayahuasca is a motherly representation yeah. And in many ways, I do feel like that. I, I feel like it's a medicine that <laughs> that has no, the deeper you go, it, it just goes even deeper. <laughs> you know? I agree. Um, well, it all depends on the person that's working with it. I know that in Colombia, they, they, they see it, I guess, as a masculine abuelo. But the medicine that I work with is is feminine and is motherly. So that's, that's my, that's my work, you know, all about just like my name, Yasa, it's all about family and unity, even though on the outside, it's, it's really about battle and protection because, you know, being a medicine person is really hard and people don't understand the dedication and all the battles that you have to go through to be able to have an altar like that, because you're sitting up and you're praying for all these people and people want to do that. And they're always throwing arrows and it's, it's hard work, you know? So it's like, you got to have on the outside, like, like a shield, you got to have like your weapons and your gear. And then on the inside, you got to have a good enough heart to be able to still pray for everyone and pray for their lives and be able to help them in a good way, not out of ego. So it's hard work. And people are like, Oh, I want to do this. 
it's not up to you. Just, you know, it's not up to us what we do. You're chosen for your mission. Just like when I drank my first cup of ayahuasca, they told me like, okay, I hope you had fun in your life. Now your life is dedicated to this, you know? So if everybody would just go and try to find themselves and their true purpose and not try to be someone else, you know, we would evolutionize and grow, but people, people get stuck and they want to do something and they don't know what it takes. It really takes a lot of effort and work and work constant work. Like I don't stop working. Yeah. It's, it's all about work because spirituality is not, um, like some people just think, um, when, when you hear the word spirituality, some people think, of somebody in up in the clouds and they're not oh they're not grounded in reality but a lot of people would be surprised if they would understand the kind of work to heal to go through traumas and actually you know put on uh you know gloves and and uh, <laughs> and, and I guess like a a mask you know to cover yourself from all the dust that you got to clean out it's it's um it it's not as easy or as oh it's fun and i mean it can be it, it could be very blissful to to find that inner connection and to expand on that within yourself but i really like the way that you you put it because it is work and um i also have have been inspired with some of the things that you said in terms of what we're here to do like it's like uh, imagine uh, imagine like a good friend of mine actually uh, someone that I interviewed on the show before we, in some of his content he talked about it. His name is Jonathan Amaret, a good friend of mine and and someone who I I admire. But he, he describes also like imagine a red blood cell trying to understand why people go to work in the morning, and like if if that were the case, then the red blood cell would not be doing its job. And I think what I what I'm here to translate with this analogy is that, yeah, a lot of a lot of us need to be ourselves because we're all here to do something. We all have a code or a program. I tend to think that when drinking these medicines, these programs start to become more activated um, and starts to come to the surface. I mean, there is scientific evidence and, and some videos of people studying what ayahuasca does to the brain. And basically it does create new connections inside of the brain like new new uh, electrical pathways i know that ayahuasca is highly alkaline plant um which makes sense that it would work that way uh, but it's able to create new new connections within the brain and then what i'm what i'm saying is is that the code i imagine like taking your first ayahuasca cup and, and going down that route was like reawakening your DNA, like your, your past memory. Like you said, you were able to see some of the past lives. I personally have to confess that I've seen some of my own past lives through plant medicines. And, you know, I also saw myself in, in like, it's hard, it's hard to, to, to imagine for some people, but basically I went to one ceremony with an intention and I said, I want to, expand my library card which basically you know it, it's like saying like i want to expand my my understanding of my genetic code and, and so basically i had an experience where i i felt myself as a grandpa with a grandson and i realized that i was both uh, that i was both of them 
Um, and like I couldn't help but to 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 say to you all listening, the love and the warmth of like a fire inside of a teepee. Like I actually felt that with plant medicine, with the plant medicine, working with ayahuasca, and it was such an amazing experience. Uh, again, it's it's all about direct experience, but the point of it is, it's like it's firing genetic code. It like reawakens you. I, I, so that's my honest and heartfelt opinion. I agree, and um, I'm actually currently in in college for psychology. I'm about to graduate with bachelor's, and I would like to get master's so I can actually research ayahuasca legally. Um, that's my dream, you know, because. Yeah, I can study and know the spiritual realm, but also understanding how it affects the mind and what it actually does is important so people can understand that this is not a drug. This is not something that we do to get away. You know, this can be used as therapy. It can be used to help people if it's used in the right and correct way. People have to understand the importance of the person driving the ceremony. This is not something that you could just buy on the internet and drink it by yourself and expect things to come out smooth. You know what I mean? So it's very important that people understand um, the psychology of it as well and how it can do harm if it's not used correctly. You know, so the awareness of this and, you know, the abuse of plant medicines because they've been underground is something that I also like want to spark awareness in people. People need to understand the dangers, but also understand the positives. You know, it's a balance just like life. So people need to really, before they're thinking about going to their first ayahuasca experience, they really need to research the person you know, they really need to, even if they can't speak to the person or feel the calling, not just go because a friend is inviting them, they need to feel a calling because the plant medicine will call you, you know, it'll come in through the subconscious, she's a vine, she's a snake, so she'll come in and she'll let you know when you're ready, not to force yourself before because a lot of times we have things that you know, we have to process on our own before a plant spirit can come in and help us. And that's the thing. They're spirits, you know, they're spirits and we have to really know how to pray with them, know how to respect them and know how to use each one because there's many spirits that I work with, you know? Of course, of course, uh, the plants, they all have their own life force and their own mind mentality and and that, this is actually that's science is more and more getting into i don't know this is kind of cool to mention here but i don't know if you ever seen this um these experiments done where they put like these sensors inside a plant and they actually create some musical some musical vibration have you heard have you seen that yeah, or heard about I that i haven't um even the planets they have their own a musical note Right, right. Now there's a, a kind of vibratory, I you know, I guess uh, imprint of each thing, and including you know we have that as well. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned even your name because I, like I, I'm about to go into a little bit of an interesting analogy. Um, and when it comes to vibration, when when it comes to our bodies, we have different things moving at different rates of vibration. We're like we're like a symphony as well. Um, we're not, 
it's it's interesting when when a lot of people say well well I'm Tommy or I'm Julian or you're Juliana and like there's a there's like boxes of names. Uh, my first mentor taught me that as we grow, we understand that just like life, you know, the names, you know, these they they can be titles and they're just stepping stones and and you can you know like like you you've received names. I've also received the name uh, Ross Uray and it was. Uh, through the Rastafari tradition of my first mentor who taught me how to, how to make these amazing teas and how to fast and how to basically he, he saved my life. And, and, and I've been working with plant spirits in that way for a long time before I started to actually work with, um, with the, the plant spirit ayahuasca specifically and, and others with, with that kind of power. But, but, you know, of course I know that you work with a lot of other plant medicines I, I work with, you know, cannabis as well as a plant medicine with a, with its own spirit and able to do um, a lot of amazing things. And again, these are native traditions. These are native, um, native medicines that have been here longer than we can even imagine. And it's, it's pretty sad that we find different laws that are basically man-made constructs of of perception because that's what they are they're just a perception and they someone writes a perception they 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 bottle it bottle it up in in a kind of you know paragraph or so and they say well this this uh this plant is not not legal because xyz but you know it's it's being overturned by the consciousness that's being that's being awoken and i think you would agree to say that the medicine itself has sent a lot like this message of like it needs to spread so there's like a new wave of of awakening happening and and that's something i want to ask you about do you well, what, what do you think about the that? medicines all of them they have been hidden for a while you know and just recently they started like really really pushing themselves out and the push it can be seen positively and negatively you know, first of all, we need to have the awareness of the origins, which a lot of people tend to forget the origins. Where do they come from? What is the tradition behind the plant? You know, and with this push and this wave of awakening through the plant medicines, people are, you know, inventing new ways and stuff like that, which is, you know, it's fine because each facilitator has their own way to do things. Um, each person working with the spirit, they're going to use their own spirit to be able to touch the souls of the people in the circle. But uh, this wave, you know, was like expanded and changed. So there's many different like lineages and doctrines, even churches that now work with these plant spirits in order to reach as many people as possible. So the plant is like shape-shifting into all these forms in order to reach people in the way that they need to be reached. So it's a positive thing. It's positive. We just have to be careful, like I said before, you know, of the of the shaman or of the facilitators, true intentions, um, or the church, you know, really research, but it's a positive thing. Um, we just have to be careful, you know, and how we relate 
each circle, you know, like be careful with who comes in, who comes out and really closing that spiritual space so people don't get lost in the astral realms, you know, so there's a lot that goes into it. But I see the wave as a positive thing, but it needs to be spoken about, like just like the positive we need to speak about the negative and the abuse and how to be careful, how to be protected when we're going to a ceremony or, or what to do, who can we trust, you know, and it's important that we find our soul tribe, our community, you know, people that we can relate to that, you know, they want healing too. And the way that we're going to heal is that we're going to heal together, empowering each other, not alone. You know, I can't do this alone. I need you know, people by my side that are for the same mission, you know, and they, they put out their, their power and I put out my power and together that's how we're going to raise the vibration of the planet with the help of the plants. Of course, I, I believe so as well. And it's an amazing thing that's happening. We're very lucky and grateful to be you know, one of the individuals putting in this great work for the changeover. <laughs> and uh, that, I mean, that's just um, a matter of time. And I think that right now we're coming into the closing of this uh, segment. And I, I'd like to thank you so much for all the wisdom that's been shared already. I'd like to ask if you can expand a little bit more on the song that you want to share with us wow. today and and a little bit of, yeah like the background and and basically um well set the that up song that i'm gonna sing it was written by i see him as my uncle you know my elder and the amazon um chana masha uh which means it's a singing bird he's he's an amazing singer and he wrote this song um and it's all about like, it's calling in the sun, the moon. It's also calling in the stars and it's calling in the anaconda, the water and the plant spirits, um, ayahuasca and chakruna. So the song is for, you know, really calling in the elements and it's indigenous to the Hunikuan tribe, which their government name is Kashinawa. And just sending them a lot of my love, you know, and thankful for them sharing what they did with me. Oh, that's amazing. Well, for those, for those uh, that, that want to know more about you, where can they find you? Like if, if you can share briefly well, your, um, your Mysticaljuju.com is about to go live. It, I probably will wait a little bit because I'm taking a trip for research to India, but that's, that's my brand mystical juju. And it's all about, you know, combining the, the spiritual and the physical. And it's also like, I'm going to have yoga classes and all of that um, meditations and just prayer, prayer work and stuff like that on this site. For now, you could just find me at Facebook or email me at jujumedicinacura at gmail.com. But Mystical Juju will be live shortly. <laughs> That's an amazing thing. Thank you for mentioning that. And, you know, for those that want to know further, you know, we're all both of us in this process. But, yeah, I also um, have a 
website coming up very soon. And, you know, all of the links will be posted on the description of this episode. And we'd like to thank you for listening and enjoy the beautiful music of Juliana Yasa. Eu chamo o sol, eu chamo a lua, chamo as estrelas para vir iluminar, iluminar. Chamo o cipó e nishipó, ele vem, ele vem, na cura e na cura. Chamo o cipó e nishipó, host.